This is the On The Banks Podcast. Follow us on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation. Now, here's your host, Lance Glenn. Hello, everyone. I am, of course, your host, Lance Glenn, and this is episode 29 of the On The Banks Podcast. If you don't already, you can follow me on Twitter at Lance underscore G11. And, of course, you can follow On The Banks on Twitter as well at OTB underscore SB Nation. If you want to listen to any of our previous episodes, you can find them on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. Just search On The Banks Podcast. You can find them on SoundCloud. Just search OTB underscore SB Nation. And, of course, you can find all of our episodes at OnTheBanks.com. It is crazy how fast this winter season has gone, but we are already at the end of January, and the winter sports are in full swing with their conference seasons. For all your coverage of every Rutgers team competing currently and the ones right now in their offseason, make sure to go to OnTheBanks.com. I am very excited for episode 29 and to be joined by former Rutgers men's soccer All-American, the 1987 National Player of the Year runner-up, the current technical director and manager for Sporting Kansas City of the MLS, Peter Vermes. Peter has accomplished so much during his professional career as a player and coach, getting inducted into the Rutgers Hall of Fame in 1998 and the National Soccer Hall of Fame in 2013. He has represented the United States in many international tournaments, such as the 1988 Olympics, 1990 World Cup, and 1992 Gold Cup. He is currently the longest-tenured MLS head coach and has led Sporting Kansas City to great success since he became the head coach in 2009. It was a pleasure to speak with Coach Vermes about his time with Rutgers men's soccer, how his head coach Bob Riasso helped him grow as a player then and as a coach now, becoming the inaugural MLS Sporting Executive of the Year, and so much more. For those who are not familiar... Bob Riasso is, without a doubt, the most accomplished Rutgers men's soccer coach in the program's history, and it was very interesting listening to Peter talk about what Coach Riasso taught him, and how, according to him, Coach Riasso was ahead of the game at his time. It was also very enjoyable to hear Peter Vermes discuss the magical 1987 season he and the Scarlet Knights had, culminating in the NCAA tournament victory over Seton Hall, a game that which he scored the winning goal. It was the Scarlet Knights' first NCAA tournament victory in 26 years at the time. The program now is obviously one that is rebuilding. Pat Hobbs just hired new head coach Jim McKeldry to take over the program after he had great success in the Bronx coaching Fordham. Peter mentions his relationship with Coach McKeldry and talks about his belief that Coach is the right man for the job. Rutgers men's soccer has a rich history filled with a lot of success, and the current team will have all the opportunities to compete against top talent as they aim to once again reach the top of the Big Ten. I believe talking to Peter Vermes and listening to what he said told me that the program should be at a level competing with the top of the Big Ten and really the best in the country. It has been there before. It has made NCAA tournaments, made Final Fours, and has a rich history of talented players going on and doing big things at the next level. Peter is one example of a former Rutgers men's soccer player that has gone on to the next level as a player and a coach and has done big things. He represents Rutgers soccer and certainly represents what it means to be a Scarlet Knight. Time to talk to the coaches. Here's your host, Lance Glenn. He was a star for the Rutgers men's soccer team from 1985 to 1987, compiling individual accolades as well as helping the Scarlet Knights reach the NCAA tournament. He is currently the manager for Sporting Kansas City of the MLS and was recently named MLS Sporting Executive of the Year. 
I am now pleased to be joined by Coach Peter Vermes. Coach, thanks so much for coming on the podcast and for giving me some of your time. Yeah, Lance, my pleasure. Look forward to uh, the conversation. Coach, before we talk about everything you have accomplished during your professional career as a player and manager, let's talk about your time at Rutgers. So you began your college career at Loyola, then made the decision to transfer after your freshman season. When looking for your next school, what about Rutgers kind of appealed to you? Obviously, it was a program that had success during that period, but what about the school made you choose to become a Scarlet Knight? Well, there's there's probably a couple things you don't know. Uh, first and foremost, Bob Riasso was actually the high school coach at my high school before I um, was in high school when I was in middle school. And so I, I knew of Bob already. Um, you know, like probably a lot of kids coming out of high school, I thought I, I kind of wanted to go uh, away from the area, um, but I quickly realized, and it had nothing to do with being homesick or anything like that. It had more to that. Um, I had a pretty good idea of the Rutgers program, um, and I was probably a little naive. I didn't know as much about Loyola, but figured that it was a lot of the same. And when I got there, I realized that it wasn't. Um, and the opportunity to come back, Bob was, uh, was fantastic in, and when I gave him a call and said, Hey, I'm looking to transfer. And, uh, you know, he welcomed me with open arms and uh, I was very fortunate because it no doubt was the best decision I could have made, um, coming back to Rutgers because Bob had done such a great job in building the program from really ground zero, um, and made it, you know, one of the best. Um, collegiate programs at the time and so I was I was again very fortunate to be a part of that for those years you played for without a doubt the most accomplished Rutgers men's soccer head coach Bob Riasso during your time on the banks how did his coaching as well as his staff help you grow as a player considering you know you had some really great success during your time here um so a few years back, I was uh, I was inducted into the Hall of Fame, and I remember when and Bob came, and I I spoke about him there, and I'd say the same thing now, and that is that I think Bob was ahead of his time. He had a unique quality that I don't think necessarily coaches uh, really had at that time, and that was most guys that were coaches, they were coaches, and that's what they did. They were the on-the-field guy. They were the X's and O person, that's what they did. But Bob had a great mind for business as well, and he knew how to um, join the two together, um, the sport and then also the business side of it together, and I learned a lot. Um, I think it's one of the reasons why I am able to do both jobs, um, you know, with Sporting Kansas City today and that I'm able to be the, if you will, the uh, general manager slash head coach and that's because of, of a lot of the different um, examples uh, that I saw Bob kind of working with every day in the way that he built the program because it wasn't just soccer on the field. It was also getting alumni involved, creating events, um, building a legacy program, um, and at the same time uh, building a great connection between um, the players of the past, the fans, and uh, the players of, of present day, and I thought um, he did a fantastic job. It was it was something that I was you know very fortunate to not just um, be a part of, but kind of live every day and and see it happening before my eyes. And it's it gave me a great foundation um, again for for what I'm doing today. 
1987, your final season, you were named an All-American. You were also the runner-up for National Player of the Year. What do you remember about that year? What about that season helped you bring everything together and really have the success that you did? I think for any player, when you find a really good routine in your game, uh, which includes um, self-confidence, but you really don't get that without having very good teammates, and you don't get that without having a, a coaching staff that believes in you. And so I think the combination of those two things um, with the third part, which is, you know, incredible uh, hard work. Um, I, put a, I always have worked very hard. I put a lot of hard work into that time period when I was there at Rutgers. Um, but I think the combination of my teammates and, and coaching staff had a lot to do with it. Um, you know, you start to believe in yourself. You start to get in a great routine and a rhythm. And then, um, you know, you start to see some fruits of your labor. I, I think it was a combination of those things that um, helped me excel that, that year. One other accomplishment that the team as a whole achieved, but you played obviously a big part in, was the NCAA tournament victory over Seton Hall. You scored in that game and ended up being the game-winning goal. It was the first tournament victory for the program in 26 years. How special was that 1987 for it to you know, ultimately culminate in the first victory in over two decades? And what are what do you remember about that game and, of course, the goal that you ended up scoring? Yeah, um, it was... It was uh, uh an exciting time for us because we felt that we were a very good team and a team that could compete um, for the NCAA tournament. And so for us to advance the way we did um, and playing at the kind of level that we were was, again, uh, very rewarding. And the team deserved it because um, not only not only did you know we have a good team, but I thought that consistently throughout the season we actually played um, as if we deserved it. And so for us to, at that moment, be able to achieve – um, what we set out to do was was big, and I think it helped propel the, the program um, for years to come as well. Did to you and maybe your teammates as well, did the 87 victory over Seton Hall in the NCAA tournament, because it had been so long since Rutgers had last won an NCAA tournament game, did it feel a little better than the average, you know, first-round NCAA tournament win because, you know, you kind of got the monkey off your back? It had been 26 years. You were finally able to break through. The Scarlet Knights were finally able to break through. Did it feel a little bit better to end that 26-year drought? Oh, I think so. I think when you, whenever you're in sports you have a drought and then you're able to uh, get over that hurdle, I think it changes things normally for that team or for that uh, organization for years to come. And I think um, that was a watershed moment. Uh, in 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 school's uh, you know history moving forward. Um, at the same time, I think it was also uh, probably um, very uh, or really due for Bob because he had put such hard work in and, and was building that organization to become something special, and he deserved it as well. It wasn't just the team and the players, but he and his staff had been working really really hard to to accomplish that, and I think it was uh, you know really rewarding for them too. You know, during your professional career, Coach, you represented the United States in the 1988 Olympics, the 1990 World Cup, uh, and, and many other tournaments also. What was that experience like going from college and just representing Rutgers to now representing your country, you know, representing the United States at such major world tournaments? Well, first, I think it's, it's, it's again, it's uh, kind of one of these things. It's a culmination of a lot of hard work over a lot of years and, and, and obviously fulfilling dreams, things that you dream about as a young, as a young kid, as a young player. Um, and you, you sometimes it becomes surreal when you're there because you, you, you've worked so long and so hard to get to these points, but you never 
as much as you believe in it, you want it to happen, you just don't know if you're ever going to get there. And then you get there and you're thinking, to yourself, am I really here? Um, but at the same time, once you're in it, you're in it and you, you're concentrated, focused and, and ready to play. I, I think the other part too is, is that, um, it, it's, it's those environments that I think start to set the stage for, um, the rest of your career. Um, because when you get the experience of playing, as you said, on the world stage like that, it, it gives you a, a, another level of hunger and thirst um, for achievement. And so you start to see um, what actually can uh, happen or can become of your career, and you start to work towards other goals um, based on having achieved those. Uh, the final thing I would say is that I think you know, and I really mean this, the, the preparation, the everyday training uh, on the field, the weight room, um, all of those habits that were created at Rutgers were no doubt um, big uh, um, aids in helping me uh, achieve those goals. And so I was very fortunate, um, came out with a lot of guys that were of, of the same class, if you will, of that time period. And uh, it was uh, it was an exciting time. It was an exciting time for, for me in my career, but I think also for soccer in the United States. So, Coach, you retire in 2002. You become Sporting KC's technical director in 2006, and then you become the manager in 2009. You've been the manager since for the last decade and have had some really great accomplishments with Sporting KC. But looking at the way you coach and your style of coaching, what lessons did you take from your college coach, Bob So, you know, how did the way he coached influence, you know, your coaching style and the way you go about forming relationships and really building a team? Well, first and foremost, I'd say on the field, I think uh, some, some of Bob's strengths were that he always tried to stay up with the latest things that were happening within the game. Um, I think coaches uh, can get very settled if they find something that works they just stick with it. And I think sometimes what can happen is that you stay with that, and yes, it does work, but I also think if you want longevity in the sport or in sports from a coach's perspective, I think you also have to be able to advance with the times. And Bob uh, for sure did that um, part of his on the field. The other is I think Bob tried and worked very hard at establishing relationships with, with all of his players as much as he had an incredible demand um, on all of us and had a winning mentality, he also did a great job of, of the man management side. Um, I, I would then also add, when you look at the business, and I say again, it's very rare if you look at me in, this, in the league at the moment. Um, there's 24 teams in the league, and I'm the only um, coach slash technical director um, in the league. And so... Uh, the, the fact that I had, you know, in front of me on a daily basis, um, an example how Bob took, um, you know, everyday business and applied it to um, the sport of soccer and created um, different types of value off the field um, for, for the school uh, was tremendous. And so it, it gave me, you know, again, a great foundation to what I'm doing today. Um, and so I, I was very fortunate to see that up close because, as I said before, I don't think many coaches were interested in the 
in, in how to relate business to the sport because they were so interested only in the X's and O's. And I think when you look at coaches today, they have to have administrative skills. They have to know about business, um, and especially at my level because there's so much more to it, right? There's the transfer of players, there's trades, there's all kinds of things, there's contracts and everything else that go with it. And I think the more knowledgeable you are, um, it gives you the opportunity to make better decisions. You know, in late 2017, early 2018, really, you brought in another former Rutgers athlete onto your technical staff. You hired former Scarlet Knights women's soccer player Megan Cameron as the assistant director of player personnel. With the hire, she became the first woman on a technical staff of an MLS team in the league's history. Why was Megan the right person for the position, a position really that broke barriers in the MLS? It didn't hurt that she was from RU. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, um, first and foremost, I had a, 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 an opportunity to work um, with Megan for probably about an eight-year period that she was at, um, working in the league office in the uh, uh, player uh, contract area. Um, and at one point, as, she's, as she progressed in her job, she actually handled um, our club um, from a cap perspective. One of her jobs was that she kind of made sure that we continued to stay compliant. Um, and, you know, I spent a lot of time working with her. What I always had a lot of respect for her was the fact that um, she was incredibly responsive um, any time of the day. She took her job very seriously. She understood that um, even though that it wasn't her team, wasn't her club that was playing on the weekend and had to compete against other teams in MLS, but she understood the um, the urgency at times when it came to trying to get you know, certain uh, players registered or contracts pushed through or what have you. She was always incredibly, incredibly responsive, uh, and and she was very good at her job. And so, um, as we continue to evolve in MLS, um, more and more uh, positions start to open. Um, when you look at when I first started the first year, the only thing we had was we had the MLS team, and now today we have an MLS team, we have a USL team, we have a U19, U17, U15, a 14, 13, 12, and then two centers of excellence is at U11 and U9. And that's a big undertaking. It's a lot of players to oversee um, and monitor and, and how they progress through the club. And um, we wanted to add someone um, in a position that was going to help me with keeping my, sort of the eyes and ears over all of those teams and continue to um, look at the progress of all the players. And the fact that I worked with Megs and she, she understood, again, all the player mechanisms through Major League Soccer. Um, she also understood the relationship with the USL. And then the final piece was that, you know, look, she played soccer at, at RU. She had a great soccer background, so it wasn't as if the sport was foreign to her. So with all those things combined, um, at the end of the day, she was the right person for the job. Um, it just so happens that she's, she's a woman, but she was definitely the right person for the job. And, and thus far, she's done a fantastic job with us. Coach, you're a New Jersey guy. You're born in Willingsboro. You went to Delran High School. You were inducted into the Rutgers Hall of Fame in 1998. Did you ever imagine as a kid in New Jersey that you could have accomplished what you have so far? And do you ever stop and pinch yourself to make sure that, one, it's real, uh, and two, that you know, you've accomplished so much being recognized and honored by not only the MLS, but your state university as well? Well, 
I, my, my answer would be no. I never would have thought that it would have been all these things and, and, and been fortunate enough to um, not only have the opportunity to be part of you know so many wonderful events over my career, but also just to still be in soccer in the capacity that I am. You know, I, I, the thing I don't do is I don't take it for granted. Um, I know that I'm very fortunate um, to be doing what I do. Um, I also take it very seriously, uh, and I and I really enjoy um, every day in what I do, and also the people that I work with. Uh, at the same time, I'm very happy to see the progression of soccer in this country. At times, that is very surreal to me. Um, I'm amazed at how it has um, evolved to a to a place where. Um, it's 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 almost at times it's almost uh, it's almost funny to me you know to know that foreign coaches want to come and coach in our league uh, foreign players want to play in our league um, and that is their first choice over um, where they're from and you know soccer is the world sport and obviously we came a little bit later into the game as a country but to know that we have made the strides we have in such a short period of time. Um, and that, you know, I've, I've been a part of that, um, is incredibly humbling and, and very rewarding and, uh, you know, very, I'm very, very happy to see, uh, where it's, where it's evolved to and, and what the future looks like. Cause it's, uh, it's definitely a bright and exciting future. You are the longest tenured MLS coach. Again, you've been the manager of Sporting KC since 2009 you were recently named the MLS Sporting Executive of the Year, the inaugural MLS Sporting Executive of the Year. What does that honor mean to you, being the first winner of that award and being recognized for your leadership, dedication, and vision for Sporting Kansas City? First and foremost, I'd say that I'm not the biggest on, on individual awards. I, um, you know, We have four core values of our culture here at Sporting, and the first one is the team is always first. So it's it's not something necessarily that I'm always where I'm thinking about, but I would say that what's I guess what's um, what, what's given me some pride around this award is the fact that the people that vote for it are my fellow colleagues in the same position. Um, when you're recognized by the people that you know day in and day out. Um, have the same challenges um, that you do, and they believe that you've done a good job. Uh, that in itself is very humbling. Um, so, from that perspective, uh, very, uh, very grateful to them, um, and and at times, you know, very proud of the fact that we've worked really hard here at Sporting to um, change the the club in the city and the community. And at the same time, we've we've been able to marry that with some successes on the field, uh, and and that part's very very exciting. Um, so again, very humbled um, because it has to do with you know my colleagues voting for, it. and that was that was a that was a pretty um, surprising thing. I never expected even that to be the case. So uh, yeah, very humbling. A couple more before we let you go, Coach. You know, you're obviously very busy with your own team. Rutgers just hired a new coach, Jim McKeldry, from Fordham to now lead the program as it rebuilds. What's your thoughts on the Scarlet Knights as they try to get back to relevance in the Big Ten and get back to a competitive level, not only in the Big Ten and compete for Big Ten titles, but to you know reassert Rutgers as a power in uh, NCAA soccer? 
So I, I actually, uh, I know Jim, uh, actually kicked it around a little while, um, at one point in, in my career and his career. And I, uh, spent some time when, when, uh, he was up for the job looking into his coaching career. And, um, what I, what I was impressed with is the fact that he, he is a guy from a coaching perspective. It seems like he's done a lot with a little. And so, um, now the fact that he's at Rutgers, um, I think that obviously the, uh, the, the school needs a, a big boost and it needs somebody who's willing to understand that, um, at times you're going to have to do a lot with a little. And at the other side of it, it's a school with some incredible resources. And if he can combine, um, not thinking that it's all about having everything, but making sure that he gets the most out of the people that are there. Um, and that they're bought into and want to be at the school and do their best for the school, then I think he has uh, nothing but an incredible opportunity to have success there. And, and I really don't see any reason why I wouldn't based on his prior experiences. So I, I think it's a it's a, an exciting time for Rutgers. And I also think it's, uh, it's a time where they're lucky to have a guy that I think understands um, the history of Rutgers soccer and um, where it should be um, in the college landscape when you talk about um, Rutgers University. So uh, I'm excited that he's a coach. I'm looking forward to uh, seeing how he progresses the, the, the college again back to its, uh, its place in, in the sport. And then at the same time, um, I'm here to support him in any way that I can, and, and uh, I'm looking forward to uh, seeing the successes come in the future. Coach, last one. So, you know, every time I have a Rutgers alumni on, I always want to ask them about their favorite Rutgers memory away from their sport, be it baseball, football, soccer in your case. I want to know what you loved so much about Rutgers away from, you know, your time with the team. I've heard fat sandwiches. I've heard dorms. I've heard classes, you know, anything. Looking back at your time on the banks away from soccer, what would you say is your favorite Rutgers memory? Well, I mean, I would probably say it's two things. I, I, the first is is that I, I established a lot of really good relationships when I was there, and uh, guys that I still, um, you know, keep in touch with today, um, pretty regularly. Not, you know, not the old once, you know, every year or what have you. There's guys that I spend time with there that I guys I talk to weekly, um, even now. Um, the other is is that I had a tremendous experience with. Uh, the dean, I went to Cook, I was at Cook College, and uh, uh, the dean uh, that I worked with at the time um, was a tremendous guy. Uh, just, you know, he he had been a, um, a Rutgers uh, football player at one time as well, and, uh, you know, I think he had a great experience of being an athlete and a um, uh, in this, you know, a, a person, uh, an academic as well. And, and he was able to combine both and understood the priorities that went along with that and also understood the challenges. And uh, I thought that the administration there was tremendous. Um, and I was fortunate enough and, and lucky enough to go to school and graduate. Um, and so uh, it was a great, it was a, it was a great time there that I spent. Um, and it's, and everyone worked hard to, to making sure um, that you had a good experience, but at the same time you did your work and you got through the school. And, and, and if there's anything I can say is 
even transferring, um, I still graduated in the four years, and I really think that was because of the, the administration and how they worked with me to help me achieve my goal, and I think that was tremendous. Former Rutgers men's soccer great, the 2018 MLS Sporting Executive of the Year. He is the manager of Sporting Kansas City of the MLS, Peter Vermes. Coach, thanks so much for coming on, for giving me some of your time, and I want to wish you good luck this season. Thanks, Lance. I appreciate it, and all the best to Rutgers this year. I want to thank Peter Vermes for coming on episode 29 of the On the Banks podcast. It was great listening to him talk about his time with Rutgers men's soccer, the 1987 season, his relationship with Bob Riasso, hiring Megan Cameron, and so much more. He clearly loved his time at Rutgers and learned so much from both his teammates and his coaches. They had a lot of success during his time as a Scarlet Knight, finishing with the NCAA tournament victory over Seton Hall in 1987. Peter has now gone on to have unbelievable success as the longest tenured manager in MLS with Sporting Kansas City and he was recently recognized by his peers in the MLS as he became the inaugural recipient of the MLS Sporting Executive of the Year Award. One thing I thought that was really interesting came towards the end of our conversation. Peter brought up his favorite non-soccer Rutgers memories and mentioned that during his time in Cook College, he became close with and was really a mentee of one of the deans of Cook College who was a former Rutgers football player. The dean understood the struggles of being a student-athlete, but also helped Peter maintain his academics and graduate in four years, even though he transferred from Loyola after his freshman season. Recently, Rutgers professors have scrutinized the athletic programs and those who donate to them. They seem to believe that academics and athletics cannot go hand-in-hand. Well, I disagree, and believe that they most certainly can. I also believe that there are plenty of examples to prove that. I think Peter... And what he did as a student-athlete at Rutgers represents the fact that athletics and academics can work together. As an All-American, a National Player of the Year runner-up, he still managed to maintain his grades, graduate on time, even with the burden of transferring, and has gone on to achieve great things. He shows that academics and athletics can unite. And at the end of the day, the Board of Governors, the professors, the student-athletes, and just the students— We all have the same goal of representing Rutgers in the best way possible. So let's stop with the arguing. Stop thinking that athletics and academics can't both be prioritized. They can be. And we have seen plenty of examples of that throughout universities across the nation. Let's come together, sports fans, professors, students, and the board of governors, and let's all aim to represent Rutgers as best we can. And let's all work to make Rutgers one of the premier universities in the nation, both in the classroom and on the field. Follow On The Banks on Twitter at OTB underscore SB Nation and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. Just search On The Banks Podcast.